My name is David Deglo, and I'm going to get to continue with you today through our Advent series. Uh, hey, Luke, I'm hearing a little feedback. Could you uh, turn something down? That would be great. Thank you. So, Dave, I'm going to pick up where Pastor Dave left us last week. And can I get a slide advance, please? Thank you. So, so Dave, oh, these fine young men are diligently passing papers around already. If you didn't get a note sheet, please raise your hand or a pen. So Dave explored last week, and, and I thought how awesome it was that he took a pause and unwrapped wonder for us and what it is and how this is a season maybe of wonder. And, but there's a lot that's contextualized in there. And so, again, I think Dave's definition was, was really nice. It says, a joyful reception of God's revelation with a heart towards obedience. We're going to touch on that and grow from that a little bit today uh, and do some, some definitions of our own. But before we get to that, I would like to share with you guys some helpful information that I promise will play into our story later today. So, we have up here some slides. We have uh, a gentleman walking and running and some camels. Um, so, helpful information is going to be walking and running speed of an average male individual is going to be between three about for walking and eight for running. And if you're looking at camels, turns out they can move a little bit faster, walk at about 12 mile an hour pace, and can really start trucking and running at about 25 miles an hour, which I actually thought was kind of surprising. Um, so hold on to that, maybe even write it down. That's gonna come back. I'm even gonna make you do some math today to get you engaged. Chris already started with some math, so the, the pump should be primed. He did some multiplication this morning for us. We'll do division later. Before we get into today's text, we're gonna read Matthew 2. This might be something that you're familiar with. I'd encourage you, if it is, could you please just take a pause, read it as it's fresh this morning. I'm gonna have it up on the screen, or if you can pull it up on your Bible or on your phone. Um, but just let's take a second and pray um, and enjoy what we're about to do, which is open God's word and, and feast from it. God, we thank you for the blessing that is your word. God, the truth that it holds. And God, how we can um, receive your infinite wisdom from it and time spent with you. And God, that is what we are here to do this morning, God. We are here to bring you honor and glory and to learn from your word. God, and we seek, we hope, uh, as we understand this wonder, to walk forth in obedience. Amen. So Matthew 2 for me, and we're going to pick up right in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, so, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, 
When Heron summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it arose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. When, the, when they saw the star and rejoiced, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed from, for their own country by another way. So as we look at this today, we're going to outline this in a... I'm a table guys so I have a table uh, in the notes page so we're going to outline this and pay particular attention to who was involved and who was talked about in the text where we first see them in the condition of their their heart their minds what their attitude is and then in the middle there there was that prophecy that we're going to unpack a little bit and finally we'll see with each party what their response is so Let's go ahead and dive back in. We'll pick back up at the beginning. And we're introduced to a couple of people off the gate here in the very first verses. We see Herod is the king, and that's where the wise men are coming. That places us in time, and it also assigns some authority of, of the land that we will be talking about. So behold the wise men, and then the chief priest, Herod, the king, calls the chief priest and the scribes. So the parties involved are this. We have Herod, we have the wise men, and the chief priests and scribes. Now let's talk a little bit more about them. So who is Herod? Well, to summarize, uh, Herod's a bit on the tyrannical side. Uh, he's not known as the warm, soft, fuzzy guy. Um, he's appointed via Roman rule, so he is the king of Judea, but not without higher authority over him in form of the Roman government. And we're familiar with that as we hear the kingdom story and know that we're in Roman rule and inherit as the king of the land that we are talking about. And so with this, we understand that as we talk about today's story, Herod for us is going to symbolize power and authority. And so that's important to just to understand kind of, again, where we're at and where we're under. That the chief priest, rather, of the high court, right? They are focused on studying the text and sharing it in knowledge with the people to help guide them is their goal. So the chief priests are going to symbolize knowledge in today's journey as we go. And the wise men. So about all we know from the text so far is that they're from the east. Spoiler, we don't know how many there are. Maybe three, maybe more. We'll left that for maybe another day, okay? So we know they're from the east. So places of importance in the east. Wise men, by the way, can also be read as magi. And so we've seen this before. When we, we just, earlier this year, right, we covered Daniel. And we understood that as part of the Babylonian empire, they had wise men and magi. And remember how we talked about how Daniel rose to power through all of them. Because the Hebrews were in exile in the Babylonian Empire, right? But with them, 
They brought their biblical, their, well, it wasn't the Bible at the time, it would have been the Torah. They brought their text with them. And this is Numbers, which we just got done studying as part of our biblical review, right? So Numbers 24, 17 says, And see him not now, I behold him not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So let me pause, give you the context and the setting. This is Balaam. This is a gentleman who was supposed to come and curse the Israelites. But instead, God shared that he was not able to. He was instead only able to give blessing, and he prophesied what was to come. I believe that as the wise men came, it said that they were already new. They knew two things, that they were looking for a king and they were following a star. I believe they had context of Numbers 17, Numbers 24, 17, because that's what started them on their journey, and it gave them the house of Jacob. That would have given them not only the star to follow, but to go to Israel. And as they go on that journey, surely if you would head in that direction, you would go to the capital or the most important city, which is Jerusalem, which is where Herod the king is and the chief priest, we find ourselves. So that helps us unpack a little bit, not just the star, but some of the knowledge that the wise men have coming into this. Now the scribes, we already talked about them a little bit, but look when we encounter them, right? Herod calls them up, and he, he says this. He says, you know, tell me please what is going on. He's not really sure what's going on, so he's looking for knowledge and so he calls the chief priests, and they say, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. This is knowledge that they have because of their study. They're waiting, waiting so patiently for this, right? So here's what we have. We have Herod, who's a bit troubled. It said that was in verse 2. It said he was troubled because they, they are looking for a king, but they're talking to a king, but it's not the same thing. So there's some kind of displacement that Herod is right worried about immediately. And then it says all of Jerusalem is also worried, right? Remember Herod, he's not the nice guy. He's a bit of a tyrant. So if Herod's troubled, right, how do you think that flows down to the rest of the people that serve in his kingdom? They're not going to get comfortable if the king is pretty worried about what's going on because there's this more than rumor there's a group of wise men that is coming and telling him, hey, we're looking for a king. Read underlined, you're not it. So let's take a second. This is a prophecy. This is a prophecy from Micah. Let me read this to you, please. This is Micah 5.2. We're going to start here, and I'll read a little bit further. But you, O Bethlehem, were too little to be, to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from days of old, from days of ancient. Therefore, he shall give to them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and he shall dwell secure for now, he will shall be great, and to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So this encounter with God that I have on 
That's what just happened. So the, the chief priest, they just read the start of that prophecy. Meanwhile, it seems certain that they have some context of understanding, certainly as they are the chief priest, that this is talking about the Christ, the Messiah that is to come. So they're keyed off. So we have groups sitting in a room uh, of some sort. I'm not really sure, right? But these are all talking. So we have Herod, we have the chief priest, and the wise men. They utter this prophecy. All of these groups are engaged with this prophecy. They all hear it. And they all have an opportunity to encounter God through it. But because of the heart of some of them, it's going to react with them very, very differently. Now, a little bit more on Bethlehem. Again, sorry about the slide skipping. That's my fault. So Bethlehem, it is incredibly tiny. Think suburb size of Jerusalem. But it's important because not only of this prophecy that we just read, but it also happens to be David's hometown. And, interestingly enough, both the prophecy and David are familiar with the predominant job of those in Bethlehem, which is a shepherd. You see, here's an awesome tidbit for you. Bethlehem there were so many shepherds because the main industry in Bethlehem was raising lambs for slaughter, for sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem. And here's another thing, and this is where we get to do some math. So when, when you went back, and, or, or as we read that, let's, let's go here. So this is, this is uh, Matthew 29. Sorry. Slides are just all off. It should be Matthew 7, Matthew 2, 7. It says, when Herod seven the wise men, he says, go and search diligently for the child. So he's sending them off. It makes it seem like, right, so they come from, from the east, of some exact unknown origin, and they've already been traveling, and they're not quite there. And Herod says, go, listen to what the chief priest has told us, and head to Bethlehem, where this prophecy just told you to go. Here's the context that I think I often skim over is the fact that Bethlehem is about five and a half miles from Jerusalem. So we have, again, all of these parties sitting here, they have the knowledge that this prophecy is, let's say, more than likely being fulfilled. Even if I say more than likely, right? Because maybe there's a, a bit of skepticism. Maybe there's just a tiny shred. We're talking five and a half miles? So if you walked it, how long would that take? Two hours? If you ran it, maybe, maybe how long? 45 minutes. Yeah, you guys can round. It's okay. Rounding is, is quite all right. If I got back on my camel and I walked it with my camel, how long are we talking? What about if I was really excited, I said, this sounds huge. I'm either really worried or I'm really interested. Let's get this camel moving. How long are we talking? Come on, 12 minutes to go see 
if prophecy, by the way, Micah was written 700 years before it's being shared right now. Like, so let that, as I talked a little bit about making sure that we're paying attention and we're listening with a fresh. Think about that. And that's the position. So Herod tells them to go, by the way, we don't hear about the chief priest anymore. So I, I don't know. Maybe this is a little too on the nose, but I get the point. It's like Micah 5, 2, verbatim, here we go. I'm just back in my study. And they're kind of like almost out of the picture again, right? They shared their knowledge. And there's perhaps a little bit of too much focus on a just continuing to study, maybe if almost for knowledge's sake alone. But Herod has this concern, but, you know, maybe not too much because he can't take the 12-minute camel ride down the street to get to Bethlehem. So he tells the wise men to go. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And they saw the star and rejoiced with an exceedingly great joy. Great was their reward, right? They had been seeking for so long. And there before them, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. So now I have listed anger for Herod as kind of his resultant emotion from prophecy. And I share that. And again, I, I don't actually think there was that much skepticism with Herod when he heard this prophecy. I believe, I honestly do, that I think that he, the chief priest and the wise men, all knew and understood that this prophecy was being fulfilled. And I stand on this ground because later on in the text, and we're going to see in our Advent series, that Herod has a very emotional reaction of what's going on. So this is called the slaughter of the innocent in Bethlehem. And he has all of the babies under two murdered in Bethlehem because of his concern that this prophecy is going to be fulfilled. That's his answer is he has a point that's moving from trouble to just outright anger and frustration that he could be usurped. He says, I'm going to stop this right now, and I can. I have the power, maybe, to do it. And so he tries. Right? We don't hear anymore. Again, I already mentioned from our chief priest and our scribes. See, I believe that they stuck a little bit with understanding that, yes, they're in Roman rule, and I don't have the exact empathy to be able to put myself there. But I think they got awfully stuck on looking for that warrior, that physical kingdom, to be taken away, for Herod to be removed, right? And for that yoke to be lifted, and so when they look at, and even though the text says it, when they look at it and they see this is an uncelebrated baby in Bethlehem, what is going to come from that? We need a ruler. We need a king that can take off what we are under right now. And they missed it. But the wise men, what did they do? They followed through. They were seeking with their heart the truth of what was going on, what the scenario that they were in. And then what did we just read? 
they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Let me just share a little bit of two tidbits here for you that this kind of implies, um, just to help you guys. So we're in a house, and there's a child. Some time lapse has happened, which, by the way, I mentioned Herod slaughters everyone under two. So walk yourselves a little bit afar from the wise men and shepherds showing up in our manger. There's an absolute immediacy to the shepherds. But there is some time point difference when we're looking at the wise men. We're looking at a child, and they're in a house at this point in time. Just want to help give you that information. It says they fell down and they worshipped him. Out of the people that we've looked at in this story so far, the wise men are the only ones that don't hold some... Like, by the way, Herod was a Jew. So they're the only ones in this story that we have so far that don't have some reason, some way that they've been brought up in that's continually through their culture to be looking for a Messiah. Yet they're the only ones here. They're the only ones in front of that child that are falling down and worshiping. I don't know. I'm short on time, but we'll see. If if we don't have time right now, unpack because it's awesome what the gifts that they give them are. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I put the references in your note sheets. What they're used for. It's, uh, it's, it's, non, it's non-trivial, let's just put it that way. I just, I just got stuck on this. Like, even when I was preparing for this, and even now, it says that, so this is their experience, right? They have most likely holding on to Numbers 24 from a long time ago, from people who were brought into their land that said that there's a king that's coming out of Judah. And they've made that journey They went in to Herod and talked to the chief priest. None of them seemed anywhere from concerned to frustrated, yet they continue on their journey unfazed. And this is where I wanted to build on Dave's wonder that we talked about last week. See, I see something pretty awesome in the story of not just the encounter that we have in Bethlehem, but who we see or what we see the wise men doing in the character that they're exuding. Do you see that they're genuinely seeking God's revelation with a heart towards realization. They're longing, not for their fulfillment or their own thoughts of what this is, but they just have a heartfelt want to understand what is going on. And I think to believe it. Because what did they do? It said they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And then they what? Someone tell me. They fell down and worshipped. You see, we've dropped all the other parties that we were talking about today. And we see that the wise men are the one that pursued wonder. And the result that they got was an amazingly intimate experience with Christ. So it's not, it's not a matter of power. 
right? Because Herod had power, and, and that proved pretty much just dangerous. So power alone proved pretty much dangerous in this scenario. And knowledge, which we saw from the chief priest, that seemed pretty much inconsequential. Very little action taken, except a spout from maybe memory, which is impressive, but then possibly all the more sad. But the prophecy that we see here from Micah shows the awesome sovereignty of God, his planning and power, his power, true power. And the dream that we see here in chapter tw- in verse 12, which we're about to read, we can read right now, says, in being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So they went, from rejoicing to worshiping and having a dream. That sounds like a pretty awesome relationship with God to me. I would like to describe, I would like my faith to be described in this way, rejoicing and worshiping, to the point of an intimate relationship where God gives me dreams to help direct my ministry, that sounds phenomenal. And that's where I want us to look at this today and understand to not set aside power or knowledge, not put it to a point of disbelief, but understand that those alone are not of benefit to this story. That what we see here and the impact that it has is that when the wise men, when they pursued and they stood in wonder and awe of Christ. Let's take some time right now and do that. We don't have to take a journey. We don't have to stand here with any power. We can stand here with what the little knowledge we have even just learned today and realize who Christ is to each one of us, right? Can we come with great joy? Can we worship and give him our gifts? Would you do that with me in prayer right now? Father God, as we come as a congregation, we come in awe, and we do come in knowledge because you gave it to us in your word. God, and we know that that any power that we have, any gifts that we have are bestowed through you. God, that we would take any of that and all of that and lay it at your feet. God, that we would pursue you with our whole hearts. God, that we would long for you and a relationship so intimate that we have dreams about you where we are worshiping you or bowing down before you. God, that that be a mark, not something that we try to just get to this Advent season, but that be our day after day after day. That we recognize you as Lord. We seek you and we recognize you as Lord. And then we stand before you in wonder and awe. 
Amen.